Alright, and welcome back to episode 3 of Strange and Eerie Tales. My name is Skeptic Believer Eric, and I definitely have our co-host here, Barbecue Gabe. Uh, definitely um, appreciate you guys um, listening in and staying faithful. You guys rock. You guys are awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And if you guys have the time and you like this podcast, go ahead and hit the like button and make sure you subscribe uh, and check out our Facebook page. Fantastic. So we're going to just jump right into today. So Gabe, I want to ask you a few questions, all right? I know that we've discussed that you're trying to get a house, you know, um, and um, what if you got a house? Because I know you have children as well, you know, so yep. that's also part of your, you know, to when you're looking for a house, you know, something for your children as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so let's say you get a house and it's your dream home, right? And, you, you know, and you're just, you know, your your kids love it, everything like that. Then you start getting somebody these letters not even mail to you somebody's putting them into the mailbox getting these letters calling them the watcher saying hey i know your kids nicknames i know you know i know uh uh you know i've been watching this house for 60 years you know and you know you you kind of you kind of get this eerie feeling like he just you know it's something that that um you really i just feel like if something like that happens especially if i had children and i don't have any children but my my guard would go up like my i would i would be investigating it myself really you know yeah. why are you going into my mailbox watching my kids at that point i mean i'd be camping out on the porch with a gun right exactly exactly well that's what happened to this family uh they they bought their dream house um and but according to some creepy letters that they started to get uh they weren't the only ones interested in the house uh, I, you know, and it could be somebody who, you know, they said their family owned it back in the day. So it could be somebody trying to scare them out. You know, maybe they lost it through taxes. Maybe, you know. Yeah. And they're just trying to get it back. Um, so basically, and this is more up to date. This is back in 2014. Oh, okay. So, which is kind of crazy because they never got them. So I hope he doesn't listen to the podcast and start stalking us. <laughs> you know? Uh, yeah. <laughs> You know, so, but um, on the night of June of 2014, uh, the dad, his name was Derek, what could you call him, Derek, uh, had just finished an evening of painting his new house in Westfield, New Jersey, uh, when he went outside to check the mail. Derek and his wife, Maria, uh, has closed on the six-bedroom house on 657 Boulevard three days earlier, and were doing some renovations uh, before they moved in. So there wasn't much um, of the mail to empty, uh, maybe a few bills, um, and maybe, a, you know, hey, thank you, welcome to the neighborhood, anything like that. Um, but the, um, but the, um, there was a letter in there, just in handwriting, said the new owners. And the typed note inside began warmly. And here's what it said. It said, um, it says, for the brothers uh, who were buying 657 Boulevard had fulfilled a dream. Maria was raised uh, in Westfield, so it was kind of like her hometown. Yeah. She was raised there, um, just really a few blocks from where they bought their, you know, that's where her childhood at home was, just a few blocks where they bought the house. Um, Derek, he grew up in, in a working class in Maine. Uh, they moved his way up uh, the ladder at an insurance company uh, in Manhattan and then became a senior vice president with a salary large enough to afford a $1.3 million house. So the house, I mean, it's, well it's got to be in a good neighborhood, I would yeah. think, you know, to, to be $1.3 million. 
to my to my understanding, because it's always about like a lot of about buying a house is location. You know, there could be you know, for example, you know, I went out to California and there's houses out there that would be only uh, two hundred thousand here, but they're in the millions out there. Oh, it's I mean everywhere you go, the the cost of living is completely different. You'll see it. You'll also see that if you go. Go to a fast food restaurant out there in California. Yeah. You'll see the price is vastly different from what we have here. Right, right. And then, um, so basically after Derek um, celebrated his 40th birthday and they have three kids, they were all debating on which of the house's fireplace uh, Santa Claus would come down. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's really, the important stuff. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> priorities, right? Um, but as Derek kept reading the letter from his new neighbor, it took a turn. Um, how did you end up here? The writer asked. Uh, did uh, 657 Boulevard call you with his forces within? So it's, it's, it seems like this person feels like it has some kind of uh, powers, some kind of force uh, that's drawing him to this house. You know, and he's asking a family, did this same force draw you to the house? And Or it could just be that he's a nutcase, but yeah, I mean... Right. <laughs> There's all kinds of stuff that could be going on. So here's what was in the letter, and this is kind of creepy. Uh, it says, a 657 Boulevard had been a subject of my family for decades now. As it approaches its 110th birthday, I have been put in charge of watching and waiting for the second coming. My grandfather watched the house in the 1920s, and my father watched the house in the 1960s. It is now my turn. Do you know the history of the house? Do you know what lies within the walls of 657 Boulevard? Uh, why are you here? I will find out. So, to receive a letter like that would be, especially if that's you have kids. Strange. You would have, yeah. It's, I mean, it's, that's, that's when you got to start. I mean, that just that first, I don't know if it gets more intense or not, but just that first letter alone is where you need to start, you know, home surveillance, whether electronic or, you know, just personal, but... Right, yeah, that's and that's that's really weird. It is it is really weird. Um, um, so it and and again, it, you know, the letter identifies um, them. Uh, they they the letter uh, mentions that they have a Honda minivan, um, as well as they have workers uh, renovating the home. I mean, it even said, "I see already that you have flooded six five seven Boulevard with contractors, so that you can destroy the house as it is supposed to be." So he's watching. Yeah. He, he knows what's going on. Or she. I mean, he or she is watching to know what's going on. Um, and also it said here um, that uh, the person wrote tsk, 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 and then dot, 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 bad move. You don't want to make five, 657 Boulevard unhappy. So I don't know if he feels like this house has a mind of its own or even maybe, again, he's a nutcase, you know? And he feels, you know, that this house is speaking to him or this house is... So um, now uh, Maria and Derek, their children are 5, 8, and 10. Uh, They would, you know, they had a big backyard, so they'd run around with several kids from the neighborhood. Um, But then the letters seem to have noticed that you have children. It says, I have seen them. So far, I think there are three that I have counted. The anonymous correspondent wrote before asking if there were more, if there were more on the way. And again, on the letter says, do you need to fill the house with young blood, I requested? Better for me. 
Was your old house too small for the growing family? Or was it agreed to bring your children? Once I know their names, I will call out to them and draw them to sick me. Meaning, draw them, you know, he's going to he's gonna know their name and he's going to call out to them. Yeah, I'm Which, hoping at this point that they've, like, after that letter, that they would talk to the police. <laughs> I would, you know, I mean, you would think so. Um, you know, but the police didn't really get a whole lot, I mean... You know, they, they, they didn't find any, like, fingerprints on the letters. The letter was typed, so you can't go off anybody's handwriting or anything like that because it was typed. So, um, <clears throat> but, um, but see, the envelope had no return address. Uh, it said, who am I? The person wrote, there are hundreds and hundreds of cars that drive by 657 Boulevard each day. Maybe I'm in one. Look at the windows. You can see from 657 Boulevard. Maybe I am in one. Uh, look out any of the windows in 657 Boulevard to all the people who stroll by each day. Maybe I am one. The letter concluded with a suggestion that the message would not be the last. Welcome, my friends. Welcome. Let the party begin. Followed by a signature type and a, curfus, and a cursive font that said The Watcher. Yeah, that's... That's getting creepy. Yeah, right. <laughs> and and you know what's what's crazy about it is, I I, I would have when I received the first letter, I would have probably went to the authorities, and yeah. because somebody is you know just to keep a close eye on you know especially when you got your kids involved, oh yeah. you know because that's going to be your number one priority is get you know make sure the kids are all right. Um, I think that the first letter I I probably wouldn't have contacted the police the first letter i definitely would have been you know looking like like he said like look at all the windows you can see from your house mm -hmm. i mean i would have definitely been looking into all the neighbors and mm -hmm. anybody that i noticed even looking towards my house but that second letter that the writer the watcher whatever he actually mentions you know that you know will i lure the children to me that's where i mean there's the line. no there's no hesitation in my and me to call the cops at that point. Right. Like, I, you know, find this person, whatever's going on, even if it's a, even if it's just a prank, mm -hmm. I want it done. I want it stopped. So after he received that letter, it was shortly after 10 p.m. And Derek was alone. Uh, he ran around the house, turning off all the lights um, so no one could see inside the house. Um, but he did, after that final letter, um, he did call the uh, Westfield Police Department. An uh, officer came to the house, read the letter, and said, what the fuck is or what the heck is this? Sorry, <laughs> that was his exact words. So what the heck is this? Um, he asked Derek if he had any enemies. Recommended moving a piece of construction equipment from the back porch in case the watcher tried to toss it through the window. Like he, he you know, I mean, even the even the department, the officer was kind of like, what? Why? Why would you be receiving this? You know? And now, I mean, first thing is that's the first thing I would ask. Do you have any enemies? You know, there's some because yeah. there's two different kinds of enemies. There's ones that actually will go and do something, and there's ones that actually will just threaten or just full of threats. You know, they just want to scare you, intimidate you. Yeah. You know, so, so, um, but yeah, so, uh, Derek runs back to his wife and kids, uh, who were living in their old home uh, elsewhere in Westfield. So, they haven't got rid of their older home. They're still they. So he had his kids and his wife, and he was and Derek was at the new house. Uh, that night, Derek and Maria wrote an email to John and Andrea Woods. Now, John and Andrea Woods are the people who owned the house before them. 
So they're the ones that have bought the house from. Okay. So uh, Derek and Maria bought the house from John and Andrew, was who is an older couple. Uh, the couple who sold them the uh, six uh, five seven Boulevard um, to ask if they had any idea who this watcher might be or why he or she had written it. Uh, I asked. He said he asked the Woods uh, to bring him young blood, and it looks like they listened. That's what. That's what the note said. That's what the letter said. Okay. Yeah, he said I told him to bring young blood, and they listened. Uh, so so they went to them. They're like, whoa, you know what's going on, you know. Uh, you know, and so uh, Andrew Woods replied the next morning, a few days before moving out, that the Woodses had also received a letter from the watcher. The note had been odd, she said, and made similar mentions of the watcher's family observing the house over time. But Andrew said that she and her husband had never received anything like that in their 23 years in the house and just threw the letter away without much thought. That day, the Woodsons uh, went to Maria, uh, went with Maria, I'm sorry, to the police station where um, Detective Lugo told her not to tell anyone about the letters, including her new neighbors, most of whom she had never met anyways, but to all of them who are now suspects. Hmm. So, you know, he's, you know, he didn't want them to, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, your neighbors are watching you. So yeah, they're they're automatically going to be suspects. Yeah, you for know sure. they're not you know so. Um, so they um they you know so Derek and Maria um spent the incoming weeks on a high alert. You know um Derek canceled a work trip, and whenever Maria took the kids to their new house, she would yell their names if they wandered into a corner of the yard. When Derek gave a tour of the renovation to a couple on the block. He froze when his wife said, it'd be nice to have some young blood in the neighborhood. Ooh. So, (laughs) you know, so their general contractor arrived one morning to find that a heavy sign he hammered into the front yard had been ripped out overnight. So there is like, I I can't remember what movie I was watching. I want to say... um, it was it was kind of like this in a way to where people move into this new house, but yet the guy uh, comes in as a um, like a, a contractor or comes in like you know like a gardener or something. But he has um, he has um, he comes in as a gardener, but he starts doing stuff to the family to try to drive him out because this was his home back in the day. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. It had like, Dennis Quaid in it. Um, it uh, yeah, Cold Creek Manor. Cold Creek Manor. Yeah. Yep. So. Yeah, it was, and it was it was a good movie. I mean, but you know, to watch a movie and see something in real life is, is are two different are two different things, you know. So, but um, <clears throat> so two weeks after the letter arrived, Maria stopped by the house, uh, and took some paint samples and checked the mail. She recognized a thick black lettering on a card shaped envelope, and called the police. Well, again, um. Uh, <clears throat> To the new home on 657 Boulevard, the, watchers, the watcher wrote, The workers have been busy, and I have been watching you unload carfuls of your personal belongings. The dumpster is a nice touch. They have found what is in the walls yet. Uh, uh, in time, they will tell. They will. So now he's talking about is what do they have in the walls? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Are they... Are they you know, again, it could be a nut case. Again, uh, I mean, he could be, he could have somebody buried in the walls. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Is, is, is it something physical that's in the walls? Like, 
you know, like hidden bodies or maybe, you know, stashed loot or something? Or is mm-hmm. it more something like the walls are more symbolic, like that they're housing spirits or right, right. something more paranormal? That's what I was thinking, too. Like, uh, it was, you know, more of something like in his mind is more paranormal, I feel. Uh, so this time, the Watcher had addressed Derek and Maria directly, misspelling their names as Mr. and Mrs. Bradus, B-R-A-D-D-U-S. Uh, had the watcher been uh, close enough to hear one of the uh, Broadduses, and the name is actually spelled B-R-O-A-D-D-U-S-E-S, um, contractors addressing them, the watcher boasts of having to learn a lot about the family in the preceding weeks, especially about their children. The letter identified their three children by birth order and by their nicknames. Oh, wow. And the one Maria had been yelling, I am pleased to know your names now and the name of the young blood you have brought to me, is said. You certainly say their names often. The letter asked about one child in particular whom the writer had seen using a um, enclosed, like has seen inside the enclosed porch, uh, said, is she the artist of the family? So she was in there painting. You know, had a um, she was the middle child, so what, she was what, eight? Yeah. And she was in there painting, and he was watching her paint. And he, he even spoke out and said, is she the artist of the family? So, you know, and so it's just, it's just, I mean. He's crossing a lot of lines here. Yeah, I think at this point, like, obviously if the police aren't digging anything up at this point, I would still, you know, I, I would think that in this situation, law enforcement's your best bet. Mm-hmm. But I would probably try and do a couple things on my. I might leave a letter for the watcher in the mailbox, you know, because the only way they're getting the letters to them is by opening their mailbox and putting them in there. Yeah. And maybe if the watcher saw one addressed to them, they would take it. And you know, maybe there's you you could do something with that, you know. So they decided to to stop bringing their kids to the house. Um, they were no longer sure of when or if they would ever move in. Um, I know that they have, um, they tried to sell their house. Um, unfortunately, um, with everything that's going on, um, it wasn't successful. They went to go sue the woods because they didn't tell them about the letter before they bought the house. Yeah, they don't, uh, people, like, there's, it's called full disclosure. Mm-hmm. And I think that you really don't want to mess around with that when, when it comes to selling or buying property. Right, right. So, um, but several weeks later, uh, one more letter arrived, um, and it says, Where have you gone to? The watcher wrote, 657 Boulevard is missing you. And that's the last letter that they received. So, I don't know, like, you know, I just, it's just so weird. Like, I mean, I, granted, there are crazy people out there, okay? I, I totally understand that. Um, but, there's yeah. just some people just need to be locked away. Oh yeah, like this is just, like this isn't harmless behavior. I mean, even if nothing, like even if this person never physically does anything to him other than the letters, it's an emotional toll to put on, uh, especially parents, right, and children. So, like this person would need to have been because this is stalking behavior. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this person would need to be locked up as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, cuz I mean he even knew I mean he knew all the children's names. He heard them yelling out to, you know, I mean there's just a bunch of stuff that he or she, I I keep saying he, but it could be a she as well. 
Um, it just seems like a bunch of stuff that um, they have no business with, you know. She, I mean, granted, maybe that was their house back in the day, and uh, for some reason, taxes or whatever, where they had to sell it or they had to, you know, um, do that. But then you think of the Woods, you know, Andrew Woods and, and, and her husband, like they never, re- they only received it one time and that was before they moved. You know what I'm saying? And they received it. But well, with the 23 years of living there, they never received one. So why would he pick out this family? Just because well, of the children? Or I'm thinking maybe it's because... So if if like the watcher suggested, you know, his father was the watcher before him and his grandfather before him, maybe by the time the current one took over watching this house, mm-hmm. if this is if that's even a real thing, mm-hmm. um, but by the time he took over, maybe the woods had already been living there for a while, mm-hmm. and his in his mind there was no need to, uh, you know, present himself or introduce himself to them in any way. But then you have a new family moving in that, you know, they have not been there this long. So he felt that urge to, hey, just so you know, I'm watching you. <laughs> right, right, right. But well, it's definitely creepy, though. It is It is definitely creepy. So what kind of story do you have today? I've got something. It's, it's not so much creepy. It's just really kind of mind-boggling. It's really kind of hard to wrap your head around in ways. Okay. But uh, I'm calling, like, they call this one the man without a country or the man from Torrid. So uh, it happened in 1954 in Tokyo uh, at Haneda Airport. So, let's see. so uh, a passenger, an airplane lands at the airport, and the passengers are disembarking. And one of the men uh, who gets off, uh, you know, he's asked by customs what his country of origin origin is, and he just casually states that he was from Tered. Uh, and the official's like, well, we've never heard of that. Where, where is, what is Torrid? Where is that at? Right. And uh, the man explains to them that it's on the border between France and Spain. And the officials, you know, they look at a map and they're like, well, there's nothing there. That that place doesn't exist. Right. That country does not exist. Uh, and when they told him that, the man actually pulls out his passport, which... They determine, you know, it looks legit. It does not look like a forged passport. And it, you know, it's issued by, it says that it's issued by the non-existent country of Torrid. Which, you know, and it it has stamps from this guy's previous visits to Japan. Mm -hmm. So it's, somebody's been stamping this passport. It looks official, but it says it's from a, a country that does not exist. Um, which is really, really kind of weird, (laughs) Um, kind of like time travel? You think like a, like, a, like I'm a, not a sure. I, I something possibly, but uh, so they're trying to figure this out, and they put the man up in a hotel, and he, he claims that he's there on a business trip. Mm-hmm. He's there to meet with the executives of a, another company that his company works with, but they put him up in a hotel, and they look into it, and they find that the while the business that he said he's meeting with does exist, mm-hmm. they have no record of ever meeting the guy. Or scheduling an appointment with him. Also, his hotel, which he said he had reservations at, it exists as well. But they have no record of him making a reservation. Oh, wow. So that's really weird. But the next morning, uh, the man vanishes from his hotel room, which had been guarded by immigrant officials. Mm -hmm. So they'd been outside his door all night, 
all day. When they go to uh, check on him in the morning, they find that his personal documents, which include the passport, driver's license, and all this other stuff that's issued by this country that doesn't right. seem to exist, have vanished from the airport's security room as well. Oh, wow. So the man is gone, his documents are gone, and they have no idea who he was or where he's from. Now, uh, there's been no documentation that uh, verifying the story yet, but it's, you know, several people have told this story that would have actually been there. Mm -hmm. So it's, even though there's not like an official report on it, it does seem like something that, whatever the actual explanation is, it seems like something that did happen. Right, right. Um, now, and, you know, that's really kind of where the story ends, but it, it raises a lot of questions. Like you you mentioned time travel, and I've also kind of thought along the lines of, you know, interdimensional travel. Because, you know, there's a lot of theories about how ours is just one of several parallel universes or dimensions. Right. Where, you know, there's endless of these dimensions out there with like maybe Torrid is a country in, you know, the universe next door to us and somehow this guy managed to slip through or something. You're right. It's right. it's really weird. Um but I've I've actually heard this story several times over the years. It's always the same story. Nothing really ever changes in it. It's just always one of those it's one of those mysteries that's never gonna be solved though. Right. I mean how do you solve that? Um but it's not the first time like one of these misplaced travelers has appeared in history though, because you've got in eighteen fifty one a man was found wandering Frankfurt in northeast Germany who claimed he was from a country called Laxaria on the on the continent of Sacria. And then another young man who spoke an unrecognizable language was caught stealing a loaf of bread in Paris in 1905. And he said that he was from a country called Lisbia. In both cases, these are countries that do not exist. Right, But right. these people are claiming that's where they're from. And so I'm wondering, like... I don't think I don't think though like they're gonna we're gonna add extra countries like in our, in, the, in the future unless you know I mean unless the, the USSR and the, the Soviet Union kind of ordeal pans out but um, but I I feel like if it was it would be somewhere from back in the day that maybe they well was. I mean even today I mean the world map is still changing today as far as countries um. Maybe not as you know prominent or fast as it used to, but it, it's still there. My feelings on it, though, is that if it's true that you know we have an interdimensional travel traveler here, mm -hmm. even if it was accidental, maybe it was just like a, a slip, like a tear in the space-time fabric or whatever. Right, right, it, right. It means that there might be a possible way, you know, in the future down the road, that we can harness a way to do that to travel between. Yeah, it's space and time like that, and that's and this is a very intriguing possibility. That makes sense. That but makes sense. yeah, like I said, I I got a short one today, so uh, usually mine are a bit longer. But um, but so what? What did you? I mean, I'm I'm one, I'm curious. Like you get a person with shows up with a documentation, looks official, but the country doesn't exist. What what, what would your reaction be in that situation? I've Personally, the first thing that would come to my mind that it was falsified, like it was tampered with, uh, just because it doesn't have a, a 
it doesn't have a uh, you know it has a country uh, that we don't have so that's that kind of throws up a you know a red flag at that but did they say like um, like um, did they say like how old they were or did they say anywhere to the point of like because um, I'm trying to figure out if it's, you know, if, if, we, if we do do like the dimensional, the one dimension or the several dimensions, or if we do like a, a time travel, did they, you know, it seems like was he dressed for that era? Was it, you know, was it uh, a different um, So I era? don't, yeah, I mean, I don't have any uh, specifics as far as his name or age. It was said that he was dressed as, you know, a casual businessman. Okay. So I'm guessing that his clothing was appropriate for a businessman of the time period. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, as the as you go back in time, official documents are going to be easier and easier to forge. Right. You know, you've obviously seen how even money and identifications have changed over the years right. to make them unforgeable. But um, my thing, my, the biggest thing for me was the fact that it wasn't so much the passport for me, but the fact that he had the official stamps from his travels. Yeah, in it. that that was kind that, of that's <laughs> so like, official. Yeah, so. official stamps like that you get on your passport when you enter a country. So that that's really kind of odd, but I I don't know what to think of it, especially the fact that he was able to disappear while under guard like that. Yeah, did yeah. he was? I mean, maybe. I mean, this is super sci-fi of me, but maybe. There's someone that in some universe they've harnessed the technology to where they can monitor these things and fix them when they happen is kind of where my sci-fi induced mind goes to, or maybe reality itself just decided to <clears throat> decided to fix it for him. You know, there's a lot That's of just, that is crazy. Like you know, I mean, your sci-fi, you're going that route. My sci-fi is more of like, you know, what if it's uh, what if it's a, a an alien? What if it's uh, you know, what if it's, I mean, because we, we really don't know um, if there's aliens out there. We really don't. I mean, there's a lot of video evidence and stuff like that, but we don't actually know. Um, so, you know, if they can take, you know, form, if they can take, you know, um, I, I'm kind of like in a mix between that, you know. But, I mean, I think with the whole thing of an official stamp of a country that's not there and then also disappearing when he's under watch. I mean, because, you know, you think when he's under watch, they have to be watching him pretty closely. To, yeah, you know. and, and it's not just that he disappeared. It's that all the documents, that which were not with him, they had separated those documents. They were actually being held at the airport security while he was in a hotel. Those also vanished. Oh, wow. Yeah, so... That's oh man, that's just that, that's 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 definitely a good one. That's definitely a mind-boggling one. Yeah, I wish I had answers and anything like that. But some some of them are we're, we're, it's just gonna be, really leave us you know again mind-boggled about situations. Uh, you know, we always look, try to look at the logical explanations of things. Uh, sometimes you're just not left with a whole lot of logical explanation. Oh no, they're... you know, especially and and again, this is you know. Uh, you said you've heard this story before. This is uh, this is a story that's actually been out there since you know the first time since it happened in the fifties. Um, you know, it's been the subject of books. It's been on documentaries and investigative mm. stuff um, or series, and it's always the story's never changed. The story never changes, uh, which 
to me that adds a lot of credibility to the right to the account it's not like the telephone game where yeah like because usually you get one of these stories and it, it it's a tall tale it spins out of control right uh until it's something it, it's just you know it's the paul bunyan of mysteries you know right right so that's really weird but but it that like i said it added credibility to it the fact that it hasn't changed well, definitely let us know what you think uh, with our listeners out there. Um, any stories, um, you can go to our Facebook page and, you know, just give us your uh, thoughts on it. Um, we definitely like to interact with our listeners. And uh, definitely uh, uh, go there um, at the uh, Strange and Creepy Tales at Facebook um, and definitely uh, uh, put your thoughts on there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh and also, if you have if you have any suggestions, you know, for stories that you'd like us to cover, or if you just have questions about something in general, be sure to post those, and we might even address them on the air. And thank you so much for listening in, tuning in. We appreciate you. Uh, again, my name is Skeptic Believer, and I'm Barbecue Gabe. Stay strange, stay eerie, and have a good night.